On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk has a lot to say in a new podcast interview. Tesla releases its Q2 2020 vehicle safety report. Made in China Model 3s get recognized for their pristine build quality and more. Howdy friends, welcome to Ride the Lightning. It's the palindromatic episode 262 for August 9th, 2020. I love a good palindrome. We get one of those every, what, 10, 11 weeks or so. Anyway, uh, great to be with you here as summer rolls on. It's been a fun week. I've got a lot of fun clips to play for you of Elon in a new podcast interview. Uh, I am happy, though, to be back up fully running and operational my microphone, which my wife had gotten me as a gift for to do this podcast a few years ago. It's a roadie. If, I don't know if it's pronounced road or roadie, R-O-D-E anyway, uh, Australian company. And the microphone was great and it worked fantastically, but it just quit about a, a week or so ago, which now I don't just need it for ride the lightning. I use it all the time in my day job at IGN too, since we're all working remotely and I just kind of freaked out a little bit. I ordered a new one, a new one of the same microphone, although it's now a sort of revision two of it, and paid for the expedited shipping. It gets here, and I plug it in, and it seems like it works, but then when I actually start putting it into action at IGN, it's not working. I can't get it to work. Long story short, I'm going crazy stressed out. Uh, it was a Windows driver issue, strangely enough, so... Uh, thankfully I was able to get that figured out, updated my build of Windows 10 to the newest build, <sighs> and a big sigh of relief, all is working well now, here we are. But in any case, yeah, I actually, I had my parents, so when, when I was in Arizona over the holidays, if you, if you may remember the episode I recorded there, it may have sounded a little different, it's because I forgot to bring this microphone with me, and of course I do the show every week, no matter where I am or what I'm doing, and so I had to run out to Best Buy and buy, uh, I think that was like a Blue Yeti or something, a podcast microphone. And I got the show done in Arizona over the holidays. And I thought, well, I better just leave this here just in case I ever come back here you know, again next holiday. Although, sadly, that looks like it won't be happening now. But uh, just leave it here in case I come back and need to do the podcast again. And I've got a microphone here. Well, I had to call my parents as a contingency plan and say, could you please ship me that microphone? Just ship it on up here uh, so I've got it. But thankfully, I was able to get this new one working again in the meantime. So anyway, that's that. Now I've got an extra microphone in case anything ever goes horribly wrong ever again. <laughs> All right. Uh, lots to get to this week. And I want to start with, of course, the most fun thing of the week, Elon uh, popping up on a podcast, a great interview done by Jason Stein from Automotive News. He does the Daily Drive podcast. They do it every day, as the name implies. And so this was a one-hour interview with Elon that was broken up into three parts. I very much encourage you to look it up. I would say just Google it. If you just Google Daily Drive podcast Elon Musk, I'm sure that will will bring it right up, but it's autonews.com is uh, give them a fair plug here for 
for doing an excellent interview. But again, it totals up to about an hour. And I have to say, uh, listening to all three parts this week to get ready for the podcast, this is honestly one of the better interviews I have ever heard with Elon. Jason really knows his stuff, and he asked Elon a lot of great questions. So I've got a handful of clips here for you, but uh, I want, as a creator myself, I didn't want to take uh, Jason's entire interview and, and analyze the whole thing. So uh, I've chosen a handful of the uh, of what I think are the the most interesting bits to discuss, but I very much encourage you to go listen to the whole thing. There is a lot of good stuff in there. Although I will say, if you're gonna down, if you're gonna listen to just one of the parts, part one, part two, part three, I would say part two is the juiciest as far as sort of core Tesla product details go. But I've got some clips, as I said. Here's the first one. Elon was asked, well, why do you think that Tesla has captured people's hearts? Why do you think that the brand itself has become so successful? You know, I think it's just that our approach is we make products that we love, you know, old way down to like little details like we you know but like these fun video games on the car um and easter eggs and um obviously we've got autonomy you know i think we're leaders in, in autonomy at least you know driver assistance to autonomy right now um you know we're pretty good with like the phone app um and we make the buying experience very easy you can buy a tesla in uh, just two minutes by going to our website you can literally order a Tesla in two minutes, maybe one minute if you're really fast, and and you're done. Um, and the the car will just be, you know, like delivered to you if you want. Um, and it's it's just painless and super easy. And then if you don't like the car, you can just give it back. I mean, he's right, and this came up elsewhere in the interview. Elon asked the host, Elon asked Jason why he thought other electric vehicles weren't selling, and Jason said that the cars just weren't as desirable, in his opinion, which in general I very much agree with, and Elon added he thought, well, the range is probably a big factor too, which, again, I don't think any of us would disagree with that. In fact, on the topic of range, here is Elon Musk on that very topic. I I do think expectations for range... Are are growing over time, you know. Like the the goalposts are moving, you know. So where 250 miles, you know, is currently an acceptable uh, standard for range. I think over time that that will become, you know, 260 miles, 270, and and I think like long term, it, it'll be 200. Like long term, I think 300 miles will be kind of what people expect as as normal for an electric car. And, and for the the Model S, we're already over 400 miles. And you only see that increasing, I'm guessing. Yes. What what kind of range can we hit at at some point? Well, I mean, technically, we could make a 500 mile range car right now. Um, we'd have to sacrifice. You know, it would be, it would add cost and reduce uh, cargo capability. Um. But there's, there's increases in the energy density at the cell level and at the at the pack level, uh, and and improvements in efficiency of the drive unit and the tires and the drag coefficient and the um, parasitic effect of the uh, HVAC system and other electronics in the vehicle. So yeah, but you know I think people kind of probably want about 300 miles. 
over time. That'll, that'll be the long-term goal. What was interesting to me about hearing Elon say that is that three or four years ago, Elon said almost the exact same thing about a 400-mile car. He said that they could build a 400-mile Model S at that time. Again, this is three or four years ago. And he cited the same exact drawbacks to if they had done that then, cost and cargo space reduction. So we see what that does to me is it illustrates how the battery technology is improving. Now he's saying the exact same thing, but instead of 400, the number is 500 miles. So remember too, if everything stays on schedule, the first ever 500 mile range electric vehicle could hit by the end of next year since the Tri-Motors Cybertruck is supposed to be the first version built and that is estimated to be a 500 mile range vehicle. Now that doesn't necessarily mean the Model S won't somehow get there first. The S has been creeping up and up and up. It's going to need a bigger battery pack. I mean, Tesla has been working miracles with the existing 100 kilowatt hour battery pack to get that up to a 400 mile range car. You know, they've been doing tires and wheels and bearings and uh, new different, you know, the different more efficient motors, et cetera, et cetera. But to get to 500, I think the 100 kilowatt hour pack is not going to do it. Now we know that the Plaid Model S will have a larger battery pack. We don't know how much larger, but the question is, will that larger pack find its way down into non-Plaid versions of the car? Because Plaid is going to be dialed in specifically for performance, not for range. Elon had uh, replied to a tw- to my tweet about that. Uh, I was able to get that question answered by him some time ago. I'm sure I'd mentioned on the podcast. But anyway, the point is he had said that the despite the larger battery, the Plaid Model S would have about the same range as the performance Model S does now, which makes perfect sense. So we'll see uh, I, this, whether the Cybertruck is going to be the first to get to 500 or the Model S gets there or dark horse in the race. If the Tesla semi goes into production, that could end up being the longest range electric production electric vehicle in the world for a short while until a uh, Cybertruck comes along and, and matches it. And then the Roadster comes along and beats it. Anyway, uh, next clip here is Elon commenting on the Tesla workforce in Shanghai. And he has uh, that leads him naturally to speak about about the workforce here in the United States as well. Take a listen to this. Um, China rocks, in my opinion. Um, You know, the energy in China is great. People there are. There's like a lot of smart, hardworking people, and they really are, they're not entitled. They're not complacent. Whereas I see in the United States uh, increasingly a uh, much more complacency and entitlement, uh, especially in places like the Bay Area and LA and New York. So, you know, it's just here's the thing it's like, you know, when you've been winning for too long, you sort of take things for granted. In the United States, and especially, you know, like California and New York been waiting for too long. You've been waiting for too long to take things for granted. So just like, this, you know, some pro sports team, they win the championship, you know, a bunch of times in a row. They, they get complacent and they start losing. So it sounds like Elon's a bit frustrated with California. 
And it's worth pointing out, by the way, that Gigafactory 2, which I feel like Elon never mentions it. Like, for instance, did did that Gigafactory ever get renamed to Giga New York or Giga Buffalo, the way that all the other Gigafactories have? I can't remember one time, and I could very well be wrong here, but I just can't remember a single time where Elon or Tesla has said Giga Buffalo or Giga New York. It feels like it's kind of not grouped in with the rest of the Gigafactories, even though it is there. It's not producing car batteries, but it is producing solar stuff. Anyway, uh... It is worth mentioning that Elon does deal with New York. You know, you heard him mention California there, L.A., Bay Area, and then he said New York. And he does have to deal with New York with Buffalo uh, and and Gigafactory, too. And it hasn't always been smooth sailing there. So the Texas move seems to be one where, in part, he's looking for more, I guess, enthusiasm from the workforce, more of a willingness to do a good job, maybe? I don't, I don't quite know what he's saying. Now, the question is, is he is he saying that he is going to go ahead and move the company headquarters to Texas, as he had threatened to do during the COVID-19 shutdown back in March and April? Well, to his credit, the host, Jason, did ask that very follow-up question, and here is Elon's response. Um, well, that's going to require a lot more thought. Obviously, there's, there's no question that our headquarters will remain in California in the short term. Um, uh, long term, we'll we'll have to see, you know. So, but the certainly the vast majority of the Tesla management and engineering staff is in California. So, you know that 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 is certainly our headquarters for now and um, for some time into the future. So here's my interpretation of that. I'm not saying I'm right. I don't know, but my interpretation is. That Elon sounds like he may have wanted to leave California while he was angry, as he tweeted. Uh, but when the dust actually settled, he realized that a lot of key folks at the company live in and like California. So it sounds like if they do move, it's going to be a much slower, longer term process. We'll see how this situation evolves over time. Uh, next clip here. Let's see. I've got several more clips. This one is about a third U.S. Gigafactory not including, or actually no, yeah, not including, see again, Giga2 gets gets left out, a third car battery and assembly <laughs> Gigafactory. Uh, here's Elon speaking about that. Yeah, I think at some point there'll be a third uh, Gigafactory. Um, I probably, I'd imagine, you know, closer up north and northeast. Um, most likely, but I'm, I'm not sure at, at this point. I mean, we've got our hands full between building Giga Berlin and Giga Texas. Um, that's for sure. And, and all of the vehicle programs that are coming down the, the pike with the Cybertruck, Semi, um, you know, the roads, New Roadster. Um, we've got, obviously, the on the solar side, we've got the solar glass roof and the Power walls, mega, mega pack, the you know, power pack. There's, um, you know, gotta gotta make sure we solve the autonomy question. So it's just like there's a massive amount of stuff to, to do. Um, but do I think at some point we will have a third plant in North America? Uh, I think that's very likely. 
So again, there is already a Gigafactory in the Northeast, the short-changed aforementioned Gigafactory 2, but as you know, they exclusively do Tesla solar stuff. So a Northeast plant to build cars and do batteries could be anywhere, but I would think that if they want to go where their customers are and be... That seems to be a big thing with Elon is is try and get the cars, try and cut down the shipping and the delivery uh, and get the the factories and the cars as close to the customers as possible. I would think, just guessing, that you'd have to stay somewhere reasonably near the tri-state area, the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. So this will be another interesting one to keep an eye on over the coming, what, four or five years or so, as he said. Two more clips. This one, perhaps the most interesting uh, of all of them, and it is about uh, a really, I would say, hot-button topic, but it's been a topic that's been discussed in the Tesla community for a while, and that is paint quality. Paint quality on Teslas, it gets talked about in the community a lot. Is there, a lot of people say, well, Cal- it's, it's California's fault. They've got super strict environmental requirements, so the paint's just not very, it's fragile for lack of a better word. So uh, Jason, again, well done, asked Elon about Tesla's paint quality and take a listen to what Elon had to say. Uh, I'm probably the, the barrier in LA are, might, they might be the hardest places to, to do any, any kind of emissions on earth, which is to say that if, which, which means that you have to be extremely, clean in your manufacturing in those areas, which I, I, I do actually agree with, by the way. Um, and I wouldn't, I, I would not lay blame on California for any paint issues that Tesla's had. I, th- I would internalize that responsibility and say, you know, that that's kind of our fault, not the state. Um, I, I, do, I do wish the state would, you know, process documents faster and maybe consolidate some of the regulatory bodies. It's just, there's just so many regulators um, and, and so many regulatory agencies, and they, you know, they all had a reason for being there at some point in the past. But I think it would be wise to just just take a look just how many regulatory agencies there are and say, like, maybe we should combine some of these and not have like twelve referees on the field. You know, sure. you need referees on the field, but you know, how many referees do you want on the field? <laughs> sure, you know, and more referees than players. You know, that'd be weird. So. <laughs> Um, but, but finally, this is not California's fault. It's our fault um, where, where we've had some issues. Um, and and you know, it's, in some cases, it was, uh, you know, we had, we had a thing where we outsourced like a bumper to a supplier, which was a mistake. Um, and uh, because, because they had they just had trouble doing paint matching. And it was anyway, we, we just we just brought that bumper painting it back, back in house and, and actually now it's good. I think actually our, our paint quality right now is pretty good. To be clear, um, we just we just had a few bumps in the road. Uh, also, we were able to activate our South Paint Shop. So there's two major paint shops: uh, North Paint and South Paint, and they're both gigantic. Um, and uh, for a while, they were just we were basically just operating out of North Paint, um, and um, and now now we've almost got South Paint fully activated. I think pretty close and so we can focus north paint just on uh, model 3 and model y and south paint on s and x um 
and that, that allows to really just hone in on the, the paint quality of, of, of those vehicles uh, instead of putting all four vehicles, which are very different sizes and shapes, uh, through one paint shop. I'm really glad that Jason brought this up and that Elon spoke to this because now I think I can add a little bit to this conversation. So after my Elon interview last year, I had told you that in the aftermath of it, I was lucky enough to get a few minutes to chat with Elon alone. No, the recorder was off. PR people were busy. They were trying to get a, figure out whose camera to use to, to very kindly take the picture with Elon that I'd requested. Well, I got to ask Elon about the Roadster and, and tell him uh, I got to thank him for how he has changed my life through the referral program. And one of the things now, uh, something I'm comfortable sharing now that it's it's out there here, thanks to what he said, is uh, Elon told me that they would probably need to use South Paint to do the Roadster, which up until now, at least what he told me then is, is uh, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm if I'm incorrect, I, I, I think I've got this right, but don't take, take it as a total 100% fact. Uh, I believe South Paint had done parts, meaning it had painted parts, just not hadn't painted whole cars. So if Elon is planning to do the Model 3 and the Model Y in the North paint shop and the S and the X in South paint, and we know that the Roadster now after the earnings call, we know that the Roadster is going to be built in Fremont. It would make perfect sense dovetailing off of what Elon told me a year and change ago, that the Roadsters will be done in South Paint as well. Because on all three of those cars, especially the Roadster, Tesla will be able to dial the paint quality way up and take more time. You know, meaning add more layers, more brilliance uh, than you will, than you would on the on the lower priced high volume cars. Because uh, those, you know, the, the the lower volume cars, the SX Roadster, they don't have to get pumped out as fast. So it does make a ton of sense with the Roadster being announced as being built in Fremont and the, this division uh, of a of a second paint shop and and how they're going to divide which cars go in which paint shop makes a ton of sense there. So by the way, also good on Elon. I'd like to say I appreciated that he took responsibility for Tesla's paint quality issues rather than trying to blame California's strict environmental standards. It is on Tesla to improve their paint quality. And he says they are doing so. Uh, we're I, in, in fairness, I don't think we're seeing that right now in, car, in new cars that are being delivered, new Model Ys, new Model 3s. Uh, in, in the community, there are still people uh, with, with plenty of issues. And again, I know there are plenty of happy people that you don't hear about online, but by and large, I do think Tesla still has work to do there, but it sounds it's I'm glad to hear Elon recognize it, address it, take ownership of it. So hopefully it is something that we're going to tangibly see get better uh, over time and, and particularly over the short term, not as a long term thing. Hopefully it'll be getting better sooner rather than later. All right, I've got one more clip. Uh, and Jason, if you happen to be listening to this, forgive me. This is uh, the last clip. I've got to give people one more clip from your interview here. Let's close on the Cybertruck with Elon really talking it up. But also, uh, I, I mean, I hate to end on a sour note, but 
uh, Elon here is going to break some hearts for any of you who are outside of North America and want a Cybertruck. Take a listen to this. Um, it's, it'll, it's, it'll be better than F-150. Um, and at one point, you know, I, I was like, man, this car, truck's pretty big. I wonder if it's too big. Um, and, and, and I, I should say we, 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 we I sort of made the exact decision to, to not make this a wool truck. So it does not comply with um, a lot of specifications and, you know, like it doesn't comply with a lot of like the EU spec stuff. But that's okay. We can always build a slightly smaller truck that does comply with the EU spec in, you know, in the future. Um, and, you know, and you know, there's maybe some slight chance of getting, um, you know, a, a pass. I mean, maybe we can get, an, I don't know, some exceptions to the EU rules depending on how it's classified. Um, but we're really fundamentally making this truck for, uh, as a North American uh, ass kicker, basically. Um, and it's, the goal is to kick the most amount of ass possible with this, this truck. So we, we want it to be so, yeah, something that you could use to, you know, you know tow a, you know, a boat, a horse trailer, um, you know, pull tree stumps out of the ground, you know, go off-roading. Yeah, and 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 uh, you don't even have to worry about scratching the paint because there's no paint, you know. So you could just be smashing boulders and you know, and be fine. It'd be great. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like some badass off-roading, you know. And um, you know, it's going to have the ability to access the battery pack. So you know, just you don't even need a generator because it's got really high power, like you know, two forty volt as well as 110, um, you know, high amperage, you know, you, you easily power any kind of power tool situation you want. Um, and uh, it even has a compressor built in, if you need an air compressor, because we have that for the air suspension, so you can just tap the air compressor. Um, you know, so, so you, know, like you could use it for, like if you're running a construction site, you can use it, it's going to be, you know, great for a construction site great as a utility car, great as a fun car. Um, and it's like literally, you know, the body panels are bulletproof to a handgun. So, you know, probably helpful in the apocalypse. These things are seeming more apocalyptic these days. So, you know, the tr- the, let me tell you, the truck you want in the apocalypse is a Cybertruck. So if I'm hearing and interpreting that right, the Cybertruck might not even be available in Europe because it might not pass regulations. And if that's the case, then anybody out there that's listening to this with a Cybertruck reservation might want to cancel. Now, I mean, maybe don't do that until we get 110% confirmation on that. But based on Elon's comments there, it sure doesn't look good for anybody out there in Europe who wants a Cybertruck. It sounds like you're going to have to wait for a smaller version that will pass regulatory muster. But that aside... That aside, I do love how Elon described the Cybertruck as a North American ass kicker with a goal of kicking the maximum amount of ass. That is that is good stuff. Now, uh, if you're going to go listen to the rest of this interview, other topics that were covered include a Tesla minivan, why uh, Tesla chose Austin for the Cybertruck Gigafactory, and a whole lot more. So again, go check it out. Jason Stein of Automotive News, the Daily Drive podcast. 
Uh, and, and then the part three, which I actually didn't pull any clips of everything you just heard was from parts one and two. And I felt like I had, I had, uh, taken enough from Jason there. I got to, uh, l- let people go listen to the rest for themselves. Uh, it covers off on Elon's management style, the debate over autopilot's name and a whole bunch more. So good stuff right there. Uh, and on to the next Tesla story, which is, Tesla's Q2 vehicle safety report, it has been released, and it reads in part as follows, Tesla writing, while no car can prevent all accidents, we work every day to try and make them much less likely to occur. Active safety features come standard on all Tesla vehicles made after September 2014 for an added layer of safety beyond the physical structure of each car. Because every Tesla is connected, we're able to use the billions of miles of real-world data from our global fleet, of which more than 1 billion have been driven with autopilot engaged, to understand the different ways accidents happen. We then develop features that can help Tesla drivers mitigate or avoid accidents. Through over-the-air software updates, we're able to introduce safety features and enhancements long after a car has been delivered, as well as release updated versions of existing safety features that take into account the most up-to-date real-world data collected by our fleet. Now, Tesla notes that in the second quarter of 2020, we registered one accident for every 4.53 million miles driven in which drivers had autopilot engaged. For those driving without autopilot, but with active safety features, it's one accident per 2.27 million miles driven. For those driving no autopilot, no active safety features, one accident for every 1.56 million miles. By comparison, the NHTSA's most recent data shows that in the United States, there is an automobile crash, so basically non-Teslas, uh, regular gasoline cars every 400, although this isn't really about electric versus uh, versus gasoline so much. But anyway, there is a re- an automobile crash every 479,000 miles for a little context there. Now, let's look at that year over year, not cor- not from Q1 to Q2, but let's go year over year. Q2 2019 was one accident w- with autopilot on one accident for every 3.27 million miles driven, uh, compared to, again, Q2 2020, one for every 4.53 million miles with autopilot on. So that is uh, some significant improvement there. And then uh, comparing the next year down, without autopilot, but with active safety features in 2019, one accident for every 2.19 million miles. Uh, Again, pretty close there because Q2 2020 was one every 2.27. So the real discrepancy being in autopilot. Um, it's a, it's quite a, it's a very nice improvement. And I say this every year, by the way, every time they put this out, but we do still need, it's good that Tesla releases this, but we still need a lot more context for this data for it to really be meaningful. For instance, it would be great to know the split of highway versus city driving, how much of the fleet's mileage is on autopilot versus not on autopilot, stuff like that. Nevertheless, uh, this will hopefully allow Tesla over time to build a case for regulators when it does finally come time for level four full self-driving to be submitted 
for regulatory approval. Meanwhile, uh, still on this topic, there they Tesla also releases fire data. Uh, it's pretty steady there, but nevertheless, it does illustrate again how much less prone to catching on fire a Tesla is versus an internal combustion engine car. So uh, for 2019 versus 2018, uh, although the data is cumulative from the start of Model S production in 2012 up through 2019. So for the entire fleet, basically, the entire times that, that Tesla has themselves been manufacturing cars, there has been approximately one Tesla vehicle fire for every 175 million miles traveled. By comparison, data from the National Fire Protection Association and U.S. Department of Transportation shows that in the United States, there is a uh, non-Tesla vehicle fire for every 19 million miles of travel. So almost an order of magnitude difference there. That is striking. Now, the the data from last year, so just comparing the Tesla stuff year over year. So again, last year, it was still cumulative. It was 2012, but just through 2018, it was one Tesla fire for every 170 million. So an improvement rolling in the 2019 numbers, but not a super duper substantial one. But nevertheless, uh, that is just a very telling statistic for the fire risk, which of course, when you think about it, makes perfect sense because in a gasoline-powered car, you're driving around basically surrounded by highly combustible liquid. Whether the whether that liquid is up in front of you in the you know circulating through the engine or or below you uh, in fuel lines or behind you in the fuel tank, and none of that is in is in a Tesla or any other electric vehicle. So there is your Tesla uh, vehicle safety report for Q2 2019, including that fire data. Next up this week, the Model 3 appears to be very highly desired in the used car market. This story coming via Tesla Roddy, who writes, car search engine iccars.com recently published a study that analyzed more than 9 million transactions from March to June 2020, featuring 2015 to 2019 model year vehicles. The study's goal was to determine which vehicle spent the least amount of time on sale before it was bought. Based on the data, the average car in the United States spent about 69 days waiting to be sold. Nice. This was not the case with the Tesla Model 3. According to the car search engine, a pre-owned Model 3 only spent 29 days on average before being snapped up by buyers. Uh, The same appears to be true for the S and the X, both of which still ranked quite high in iccars.com's rankings. While the Model 3 was the fastest selling secondhand car in the United States, the Model X is listed in sixth place and the Model S in 10th place. According to the study, the Model X spends an average of 47 days on sale before being bought, while the Model S takes about 51 days. Well, this will come as no surprise to Tesla fans, certainly. And I gotta say, it's cool to have some data to back up something we all would have guessed. But I have to say, I'm actually surprised that the S is that low, relatively speaking, only because, certainly compared to the X, the older S's, 
that that hit the market are pretty fairly low price now, all things considered. Again, kind of relatively speaking, I know this was this is factoring in 2015 to 2019 models, and and it's really the the 2013 and some 20 uh, 2012 2013 uh, particularly those are the the most affordable. Model S's, I mean, for obvious reasons, they're the oldest, but they also don't have any autopilot functionality whatsoever. But still, yeah, I would have I would have expected the Model S to do a little bit better just because it is a, a lower-priced vehicle than the X. But anyway, still a, a very strong showing for Tesla overall. The bottom line is people want Teslas. If they can't afford them new, they want them used. Good stuff. Speaking of the Model 3, the Shanghai-built Model 3, made in China, has won a local quality award, beating out 37 other cars that were evaluated. This comes, I found this on InsideEVs.com, who picked up a tweet from the Twitter account Ray4Tesla, and Ray uh, is somebody who clearly has his ear to the ground in China regarding all things Tesla. In fact, that that name jumped out at me. I know I've cited Ray before on this podcast. So the locally assembled, this is uh, Inside EVs now writing, the locally assembled Model 3 is the highest quality sedan manufactured in the country uh, in the second quarter of 2020. It came first out of 38 cars analyzed by Cheiji Wang, a Chinese quality complaint company, whose findings put the Model 3 way above the industry average. According to Ray 4 Tesla's chart, uh, citing the information from Cheiji Wang, the Tesla Model 3 registered just 0.7 complaints per 10,000 vehicles. Now, for context, Ray adds this. The Buick Excel XT ranks last with 34.8 complaints for every 10 per every 10,000 vehicles. And on the other end of the spectrum, the second best behind the Model 3, which I admit I'm not sure what that vehicle was because I, I can't read the uh, the chart that was that Ray posted that's in Chinese, but that second place vehicle, 4.2 complaints per 10,000. So again, the Model 3, 0.7. And the next the next best one, 4.2. Very impressive there. Now, I wonder, particularly in light of what we heard from the uh, Daily Drive podcast earlier in, the, in this podcast, I wonder if this might be what Elon was referring to when he was talking about entitlement and complacency in the Bay Area and LA and New York uh, in you know that clip I played you earlier in the show. I mean, from what we see in here in the community, the Fremont-built cars definitely have uh, more than one complaint per 10,000 vehicles. I mean, if you put this another way, like let's let's frame it in a more of a directly Tesla context. The, the Shanghai-built Model 3, that, that analysis that, that was done that with the 0.7 complaints per 10,000 vehicles, basically that would mean one complaint per week of production in Fremont. An entire week. Every car, and there's one complaint. Uh, that's not to say there aren't more little things that might be amiss, 
but it's one complaint that's going to be filed out of everything made in Fremont for a week. Now, to be fair, Shanghai is only producing about half as many Model 3s per week as Fremont is, and then, of course, Fremont's also producing the S and the X, which gets them to the, again, approximately 10,000 total cars per week or so there. But nevertheless, just awesome work happening at the Gigafactory Shanghai. Just tremendous. And hopefully here stateside, hopefully things will improve as the Model Y production line completes its ramp up and things settle into more of a kind of quote-unquote normal steady rate of production and and everybody kind of settles into their routines and rhythms. All right, that was a very fun, very busy week of Tesla news, but stick with me. I've got a handful of your excellent Tesla questions, comments, and discussion topics in the Ride the Lightning hotline coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. If you've got something Tesla-related on your mind, I would love to hear from you. I very much enjoy this part of the podcast where I get to hear from you guys with, again, whatever is on your mind when it pertains to Tesla. So if you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for the podcast, feel free to call in anytime. It's very easy. There are two simple ways to do it. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and then record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then send that file to me via email at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can do the same thing with your 90 second or less call and actually call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. It's a toll-free number. You can call or Skype it. The number is one 989 TS or 8752. <laughs> and if uh, the other way you want to phrase it, 188989 TSLA. That's uh, to go full radio guy on you. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. And before I get started, the August Patreon bonus episode is up. Now, uh, if you are eligible for that on Patreon at the at the right tier, you've already received an email about it. But uh, if you were one of the callers whose call I responded to on there, I want to make sure that you get to hear your call. So if you don't already support me on Patreon and you hear your name right here, feel free to email me and I will happily give you a free download token for this bonus episode so that you can hear the response to your call. The callers on this one are John from Torrey, Utah, Billy from North Carolina, Will, who asked about referral codes, Cameron from San Francisco, John from New York, Alex from Anna, Texas, Dave from San Francisco, Matursian from Toronto, Scott from Rochester, New York, Sean from Portland, Johnny from Prince Edward Island, Jay from New Jersey, Gil from San Diego, Matt in Michigan, Emre from Germany, and Will from Ancaster. Thank you all very much for calling in. Let's move on to 
this week's phone caller, starting with Lou in Colorado. Go ahead, Lou. Hello, my name is Luke Chipink. I'm from Colorado. I'm calling in to ask you a question. Uh, I love the show, and I'm wondering, since I just got my driver's license, and I'm currently driving a Nissan Versa, which is sad, but I'd like to move on up eventually once I get older to a Tesla Model Y dual motor variant. What advice would you give to someone like me who's only 20, trying to save up money in college for a Tesla? Uh, It's my dream car. Thank you, Ryan. I love the show. Have a good day. Lou, I love that you called in with this because I can relate to it. I managed to finagle my way to my dream car, a DeLorean, when I was 19 years old. Now, that's a whole other story. Uh, in fact, I, I think I told it back on episode one. If you, if you, you can always go back and listen to that. But anyway, the key parts of that are that I didn't have any other debts because I was able to earn a college scholarship. And also, I lucked out that a DeLorean at that time cost a lot less. In fact, DeLorean values were kind of at their their nadir at that point. They were really at their the bottom. Um, but they a DeLorean at the time, a lot less than a Model 3 cost now, even if you account for inflation. But I'll tell you, it, it I can say as well, it took me, and more recently, uh, it took me years, years to save up for my Model 3, uh, again, even as a 30-something adult. So anyway, I think the biggest things are focus and patience. I mean, this is going to be a long-term goal for you. You have to recognize that and accept that. There is no quick solution uh, that's, that's going to make this appear sooner. And even if there was, there probably would be trade-offs to it that might not be desirable. So um, stay focused on your goal. Uh, the key, really, it's, I think a big key is to not get sidetracked by other things that might tempt you to spend your money. Stay focused on your goal. Stay patient. Keep saving. For me, I like to look at long-term goals like that backwards. So you know you want a Model Y. Great. How much does it cost? Okay. Work backwards from there. Figure out how much you want to put down on it. And I'm saying figure it out now. You know, get a ballpark. It doesn't have to be exact. Figure out how much you want to put down on it. How much your month you want your monthly payment to be that you're going to be able to afford and that's going to work for you. And go from there. So just work it backwards, step by step. I mean, yes, interest rates change and, and probably the price of the Model Y will change too. Now, the good news there is that while interest rates can go up and down, the price of the Model Y is probably only ever going to go down. But you can work with those general numbers and just stay a bit flexible with it. Then, you know, maybe here's another just little piece of, I don't know if you want to call it advice, but just a friendly suggestion. Maybe open a separate savings account at your bank that's just for your Tesla fund. And if you can, try to put a certain amount of money in there every month, whether it's $100 or $200 or whatever. But anyway, that's my advice. Really, it's stay focused, stay patient. And I'll tell you, when you finally get there and you take delivery, it's going to be an amazing feeling of joy and accomplishment. And I speak from personal experience on that. So good luck to you, Lou. Thanks so much for calling in. Joel from Los Angeles up next, following up a previous caller's idea to have multiple driving mode options, basically multiple acceleration options 
in the Teslas. Go ahead, Joel. Hey Ryan, Joel from Los Angeles here, calling as a follow-up to a previous caller's inquiry about additional acceleration modes in their Model 3 performance. I am a big proponent of this feature request, as it would allow performance models to potentially lower their watt-hours per mile for road trips and provide alternative acceleration options depending on the driver. If I'm not mistaken, a performance vehicle only has two acceleration modes, chill and sport. My all-wheel drive Model 3 has chill and standard. I see no reason why Tesla could not offer a standard acceleration option in the performance vehicle. It could simply adopt the all-wheel drive power curve. On the same note, I wish the acceleration boost upgrade on the all-wheel drive Model 3 did not remove the standard acceleration option and replace it with Sport as it does currently. Again, if you purchase the acceleration boost, the standard option is removed and replaced by the Sport option. Why is this? For me, this is one of the reasons I have held back from purchasing the Boost. I believe the Boost should add the Sport option while still maintaining the availability of this standard option. With that, I think the performance version could actually have four options. Chill, Standard, which adopts the all-wheel drive power curve, Sport, which adopts the all-wheel drive with boost power curve, and Ludicrous coming in at the current 3.2 seconds 0 to 60. An all-wheel drive with boost would have all the same options except Ludicrous, and an all-wheel drive without boost would maintain both chill and standard options as they are now. No changes needed on any of the rear-wheel drive variants since they do not have the additional power that the front motor provides. What do you think? Could you see yourself choosing the standard acceleration option when you road trip to Scottsdale if it indeed lowered your watt hours per mile? Or when grandma wants to take the spirit of adventure for a spin, but you're not so confident that she doesn't have a lead foot? Joel, I am totally with you on this. And yes, I would happily take a standard version of acceleration in the Performance 3 on road trips where I'm not wanting or or certainly not needing to put my foot down on the accelerator and if it, if in return it meant I would lower my watt hour per mile rating a little bit and thus uh, improve my range. Although really on a road trip, it is just kind of the speed that you're going. You know, you, the the faster you go, the you're gonna j- drain a lot more juice. I mean, eighty versus seventy versus sixty five. There's a big difference, but and then that too, and the drag that on the wheels, uh, like I, the twenty inch performance, the the stiletto. The sport wheels, I should say, stiletto, I guess, is the internal name, but the the sport wheels drag a lot harder than uh, than the eighteen inch arrow wheels do. But anyway, that that is beside the point. I would say yes, I agree with you. I would love to see Tesla add more driving modes because, after all, it's all software. It can be done. Dave from Yorktown is next. Wants to talk Model Y tow hitch. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Ryan, this is Dave from Yorktown. I'm calling uh, because a lot of people are interested in the tow hitch for the Model Y. I just got mine installed and wanted to give a little bit of information about it. Uh, I wanted to get my Model Y as quick as possible, so I didn't order it with the Model Y. Of course, it wasn't available at the time. So I had it installed uh, after we had the car for about a month. It worked out pretty easily. I just went on to the Tesla app. I scheduled a service. There is no listing for a tow hitch, so I just typed it in, tow hitch, scheduled you know, for a certain day and a certain time, and uh, a couple days later, I got an email uh, text back saying, uh, hey, uh, we got to order some parts. We'll let you know how that's going. I got parts updates all the time, and eventually was able to schedule a time to have the tow hitch installed. Uh, it was installed on a Friday. took about two and a half hours, cost $1,200. Uh, got the uh, standard receiver and the uh, seven-pin, I like to call it the RV socket, 
which doesn't work well for me. I have a smaller trailer, so I had to buy a seven pin to four pin adapter piece of cake there. Uh, and uh, the Tesla service center was uh, very accommodating, uh, no problems. And uh, I have yet to really test it out. Uh, one thing for people to recognize is the um, both the the hitch or the receiver and the uh, electrical connection are kind of hidden underneath the uh, black part of the bumper. And there's an access panel that you have to pop off to get at it. So it looks like there's nothing there uh, when you're not towing anything. And then when you pop the uh, access panel off, everything's right there for you. Um, the only uh, problem is that the access panel is not easy to remove or install. It takes a s screwdriver to kind of pry out. And when you're putting it back in, it takes a while to really muscle it back into place and push it back into place. When it's in place, it looks fine. So there you go. Um, ready to go tow my windsurfers now. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dave. I am really glad to hear that you had a good experience there. And I suppose $200 is a reasonable premium for two and a half hours of labor if you don't pay the $1,000 to order the factory-installed tow hitch. Although I know in your case, you had no choice since it wasn't offered as a factory option back when you ordered your car. Enjoy that Model Y. May you always drive it in good health. Frazier from Florida is next. Go ahead, Frazier. Hi, Ryan. This is Frazier from Florida. Um, I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. And I was on my way home from an appointment after work when I realized that the Teslas could be used, or with a small software update, could be used for uh, paraplegics. Um, so in high school, I had a tennis coach who, in fact, was paraplegic, and he would hop into his car and control his car with a stock his speed, you know, and brakes with a stock that Chrysler Mobility retrofitted for this type of customer. I was on my way home in my Tesla on autopilot when I realized you can come to a complete stop and maintain autopilot and cruise um, while using the the click wheel on the steering wheel. You can come to a complete stop with a few software updates um, and some um, you know, design software specifically tailored to this, it would be relatively easy for Tesla to make a paraplegic software mode um, that helped people who can't use the gas pedal or the acceleration pedal and brake pedal um, and then potentially tap a new market. And with all the extra space in the Model Y and X, they could easily load their wheelchair, get in, and then use their car without having to call Chrysler and get a retrofitted vehicle or something like that. Um, anyway, I just thought it would be kind of interesting. I'm not sure if anyone's had that idea yet or not. I haven't heard it. But thanks for all the awesome podcasts and keep up the great work. It would seem like you're probably correct, Frazier, and that's certainly going to be one of the benefits of full self-driving once the autopilot team finally gets us there. It's going to open up additional mobility for a lot of people. I wonder if Tesla would try to adapt something like that now, such as how you describe, or if they would instead choose to keep all of their energy on that full self-driving problem that would not only solve this issue, but also so many others. Thank you very much for calling in. I'm going to take one more call this week, and it goes to Bill in Wisconsin. Go ahead, Bill. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for everything you do. This is Bill from Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Uh, 
I'm I'm a couple of episodes behind because of the fact that, like many of your listeners, I haven't been spending very much time in my car listening to podcasts. Uh, so I'm I'm listening to one from a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I have two comments. Number one, Portillo's rocks. I speak from experience. I live in the Midwest, and whenever I'm anywhere near Chicago, Portillo's is always on the menu. And secondly. As far as the Cybertruck touring the U.S. is concerned, I would love to have them come to Wisconsin, to northern Wisconsin in December. That would be fantastic because that's where I'm going to be driving it. Well, actually, I should say that's where my wife is going to be driving it. It's, it's hers. She said she might let me drive it from time to time. I'm hoping so, anyway. <laughs> but uh, I'd love to see how it handles in the snow. And, uh, you know, nothing like driving a uh, Cybertruck through a blizzard. I think that'd be fantastic. Just my personal preference. I, I understand you're, you're, you prefer a fair climate, but, you know, for those of us that live up here, that's just the way life is. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next time. I see where you're coming from, Bill, and and what I meant by my good weather comment was just as far as allowing as many people to easily come out and see it as possible. I mean, if the weather's super cold and wintry, it might keep some people home. But again, yeah, you, you make a good point. Cold and wintry would also be a good chance to show how tough the truck is, including that stainless steel, by bringing it out in the worst conditions they can find uh, in in trekking it across the country in a November or a December. It'll be interesting to see what route they take and when they take it. Presumably, they will do a, a circuitous route and not go the same way back west that they go when they head east. Take care, Bill. Thank you to everybody that called in. Again, as I mentioned at the top of the segment, I'd love to hear from you. If you have a good Tesla question, comment, or discussion topic, I gave you the easy ways to call in there uh, at the top of the segment. So refer back to that if you would like to give me a ring. And with that, I will take a one more short break and come back with your pro tip of the week and a few parting thoughts right after this. Well, as for what's going on with me and my car, which I have named The Spirit of Adventure after my favorite Pixar film, Up, uh, I'm trying to, I guess I'm tempering my excitement a little bit. I've currently got an appointment on Monday to get the Zero G wheels from the referral program, which again, I, I really like the look of. I'm, I'm eager to get them on the car. But uh, I've had the appointment canceled twice already. And I got an email actually just a little while ago that said the parts are still on order. So I'm not particularly confident that it's going to happen. We'll see. I mean, I know they're, they're, a, they're a gift from the referral program, so I'm certainly trying to be humble and, and gracious about it. But at the same point, Tesla put in the order for the parts three and a half months ago. So it's kind of like, when <laughs> when are these going to show up? But... Anyway, I guess we'll see. When the day finally comes, it'll be nice to see them on there. And I guess if you're curious to find out, if you don't want to wait till next week's show 
to find out whether if I got them or not. You could always check my Instagram, which is the same as my Twitter, which is DMC underscore Ryan. And if you see, because I'll, I'll certainly put up a picture of them if they if and when or whenever they actually come in, whether it's this early this week or not. But anyway, uh, quick media recommendation, TV show or a movie or video game. I wanted to recommend, I, I'll tell you, I'm a big Muppets fan. I'm, I think I'm the right age uh, where, I mean, I'm turning 40 next month and uh, I, I grew up, the Muppets have always been hilarious to me. And there's a new Muppet show on Disney Plus, if you're a subscriber to that, Muppets Now, which actually the second episode went up tonight. I haven't watched it, but watched uh, the first one with my family and we were all cracking up. I I just love the Muppets, so... If you're a fellow Muppet fan like me, you can check that out on Disney+. Plus. Now for your pro tip of the week. It comes from Bill in Sterling, Virginia. Go ahead, Bill. Hi, Ryan. This is Bill from Sterling, Virginia. I want to say I love the show, and I've learned a lot uh, from it over the last couple of years, especially from your pro tip section. So I'd like to offer a pro tip today. This comes from my wife, Shelly, who told me because she likes to drive on the streets with the cruise control but not the auto steer and we have the full self-driving package so if you turn on the stoplight uh recognize recognition and stopping at stop signs and stop signs but only drive with the cruise control on it still stops at stoplights for you so it will do that in cruise control mode you do not need to be in full autopilot Uh, thanks for the great work on the show keep it up bye Thank you, Bill, and thank you, Shelly, as well. Yes, if you uh, want to handle steering yourself on the city streets, or or maybe you need to, depending on the street and traffic conditions, this is really good to know. Thank you very much for calling in. And if you've got a pro tip about your Tesla, something that's not obvious, that's not right in the manual, uh, that you might find to be of use to your fellow Tesla owners that you'd like to share, send in that pro tip of the week. You can send it in the same exact way that you send in your phone calls. So there is that. All right, time to hit the road. Let me mention a few friends of the podcast before I do, maybe some people that can help you out. Uh, And I will start with some friends that I unfortunately realized that I forgot last week. I'm so sorry to my friends at livingtesla.com slash RTL, makers of the Snap Plate for Model 3, Model Y, Model X, and yes, now Model S as well. It is a front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds, comes with the tool that you need. It's paint safe, autopilot safe, etc. Whether you want to take the plate off for car shows, put it on to avoid tickets while at a parking meter, etc., etc. It's a very slick product. Check it out at livingtesla.com slash RTL. Please use that slash RTL URL. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com's got you covered with all kinds of Tesla accessories, probably the biggest variety of Tesla accessories on the planet, right, at abstractocean.com. Whether you're looking for a center console wrap, uh, tempered glass screen protector, a, a brighter or different colored interior lighting kit, all that and more, abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout in order to get 15% off of your first order. And then, of course, there is 
puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. Whether you want the 128 gigabyte kit like I'm using, that is $49, or you can step up double that. You go $69 for the 256 gigabyte kit. It comes fully formatted for Tesla cam. It's plug and play. You just you just drop it, pull it right into the package, straight into your car. Works with Mac, works with PC. Free shipping in the U.S. And again, it is micro SD based. Not uh, you're not reading and writing directly to USB. So it is just going to hold up for the long haul. It is, as I said, it's a one-stop shop. Check them out, puretesla.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, my friends at Jada continue to offer awesome products, Two of the, they're both of which I use in my car. The Jada wireless charging pad for Model 3. Highly recommend this unless you've got a brand, brand new Model 3 that already has the, the wireless charging pad in it from the factory. But if not, uh, if you don't have one, you will not regret this purchase Wireless charging pad works with pretty much every Qi compatible smartphone, which is basically all the major ones at this point. Uh, there are some, there's the summer sales event. So uh, t- you can get $10 off, oh, excuse me, $15 off the Jada wireless charging pad using the coupon code JADA15. Then they also sell the USB hub, which adds uh, some extra uh, USB ports in, down inside the console, very sleek. It, it basically looks like a factory option. And there's a US, there's USB-C ports on that, plus a cool dummy port, like a dummy wall that you can hide your pure Tesla dash cam stick behind. So if you want to grab the USB hub, that you can get for $10 off using the code JADA10. And by the way, they have that for the 3 and for the Y. Both of them you get $30 off by using the code JADA30. And again, uh, uh, there's a code for listeners of this podcast. I actually don't know if they stack, but hey, try it and find out and let me know. The code for uh, $10 off listen, the, the, for you guys in this audience, Ride the Lightning. Just make sure you spell it right. All one word, Ride the Lightning for another 10 bucks, or at least it's 10 bucks Maybe on top of those others. Let me know. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. Who else? Immaculate Reflections, irdetailing.com. If you're in the Bay Area or going to be there and want to get some actual, really beautiful professional detailing work done, whether it's ceramic coating, paint correction, paint protection film, there are discounts available for listeners of this podcast. Mention Ride the Lightning to get that discount, irdetailing.com to book in with Jeff. And I think that will about do it other than to say uh, the Patreon, I'll mention that. I wanna thank those of you who've uh, taken me up on the new Patreon tier, the $7 tier with the caller priority. Hopefully that's gonna be fun for people. Uh, And then again, anybody that either joins at the $7 tier or higher in the month of August in celebration of the five-year anniversary of Ride the Lightning or ups their pledge. Maybe you're, maybe you're down at the, like the, the two or the $5 tier. Now, if you, if you up yourself to $7 or higher, I'm doing a group Google hangout. We'll just, we'll hang out. You can hang with me. We'll talk Tesla. We'll talk whatever. Uh, we'll do that sometime in September for everybody in August that, uh, you know, just kind of a little, you know, a little celebratory promo thing. So the reality is I know you might not like hearing promos, but 
like I said, I, I work super hard at this. It's, uh, I can't do it for free. I mean, it's offered for free. It's the the Patreon's completely voluntary. So the hope is that enough of you are willing and able to contribute. I know these are strange times, but um, if you're willing and able to to support my efforts at the podcast, I would sincerely appreciate it. You can find out more, all the different tiers and perks and bonuses and things on my Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash tesla podcast and patreon is spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n that will do it for me other than to thank the patreon producers i want to thank first the snoring daisy the boxer puppy if i wonder if it picked up on mike during the ride the lightning hotline portion of the show i could definitely hear it and she's behind me so i'm not sure if the mic is going to pick it up or not but if you hear a low like soothing kind of dog snore now you know why. Anyway, I want to thank the Patreon producers. These are the uh, extra awesome folks supporting me at the producer tier, which means they get a bunch of perks as part of that, including a shout out at the end of each week's show. Pete White, thank you. George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dorian Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Ish, Ramey from TeslaProtips.com, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Seth Capello, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, and my friend on Twitter, at Rodam. Thank you all so very much for your continued support on Patreon. This has been the palindromatic 262nd edition of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. My name, of course, is Ryan McCaffrey. I wish you all good health and happy electric motoring, and I will see you back here, of course, next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.